Welcome to the No Nonsense Nutrition Podcast with Brett, Ed, Fran, Johnny, Matt and Paul, helping you to build more muscle and to lose weight with a hint of banter and a dash of humour. Enjoy this week's episode. That's probably a good thing. Yeah, go for it. If I said walk, no, I'd be kicking off. Walk. Nothing. 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 Good. So, is your dog deaf? Yeah. Like literally deaf or as in mm. you say cut him All right. Yeah, he's deaf. He's gone deaf last, since the start of lockdown, he's gone, he's just gone worse and worse. Maybe your dog is actually an English dog and he doesn't understand what you're saying. That could well be the case. He he may just be a Boris Johnson and not give a fuck when he says. I've already rec- started recording, by the way. Um, this is going to be, as you say, it's been another episode about politics. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of the dog either, so. You know. Well, I did. he did say this week, he is as fit as a butcher's dog. I, I just find him irritating. Um, I was just going to say, obviously, it seems like big old Boris um, seems to have taken the attention away from the performance of, or the, basically the performance of our government during this pandemic and during these uh, turbulent times, um, and instead trying to put the blame on the current obesity status of our of our country instead. And saying that he's obviously looking for, or no, he's going to do everything in his power to tackle the um, the obesity. Uh, well, that obviously you could some some way say that's a kind of. If you say pandemic, anyway, we've got obviously a, a big issue with, with um, our weight and our our beast environment. Um, and he's obviously taken the attention away from the performance of our, let's say, our government by blaming the the obese population, saying that we should be fitter. Yeah, the general population should be fitter, but blaming that on the disastrous performance of uh, him and his uh, cronies is a bit uh, silly, really. But however, uh, you know a lot of the country who uh, lick the Conservatives' assholes will go, oh, yeah, he's done a wonderful job. Oh, we would have done better. Oh, my God. So, yeah, he would, he's he's, uh, he's right. We are, we are. We should sort it out because it will help the NHS long term, isn't it? Mm. You know, but... It's not. It's a big job, isn't it? You've right. got to get them schools. Like our daughter's ages now, you've got to put things in place in schools where obviously there's more fitness stuff going on. They eat better. The school canteen is not full of shit. Like when I was a kid, you know, not talk about diet to a kid, obviously, but um, put the environment in place where they uh, are healthier in general. Because yeah. that's you breed. Because she follows us and she eats. She will eat tomatoes, and she asks for tomatoes and cucumbers and stuff. Yeah, I'm not sure because we eat it. She just tends to follow. Yeah. Never say you can't eat it because it's bad for you or nothing. But they they are very impressionable, aren't they? So we've got to get the kids early, you know. Yeah, but to, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, I would say like child or or pediatrician or child nutrition is a turbulent minefield of like. Like unknowing what to do for the most part, I yeah. think, like you said, like you said, definitely don't talk about diets to your children or around your children. Um, if you're a parent, here's some advice: if you um, if you struggle with your own weight and you're you you have a turbulent dieting history yourself, don't bring it up in front of your children, even if they're sitting around the table, sitting in the room. Don't talk about your slimming world or your your nutrition or your weight or whatever. Just just don't do it because they are impressionable. They will pick up on it. Um, best thing to do is just keep that to yourself. Here's yeah. a little bit of advice. Um, definitely, like Johnny said, try and set up your environment to be as inclusive of 
what you know are good healthful foods but i certainly wouldn't be massively exclusive in saying well i'm not giving my child this or i'm not giving my child that because it's not good for them because again i don't think it's going to set children up for the positive relationship with food that you no doubt want them to have like if you're basically saying to your kid you can't have crisps you can't have chocolate you can't have cake when they inevitably get into an environment where that stuff is around them i.e kids parties or school or whatever else um they're going to be the odd ones out and they're going to wonder why that all the other children are having something that they've never had um, and you're probably just going to be setting them up for a life of um, poor food relationships because you've restricted them from these types of things. So it's more around, like I said, definitely take, I think, the exclusive, uh, sorry, the inclusive type approach where just try and surround them in terms of their environment with as much good stuff as they can possibly have and give make, basically make those the choices that are available to them for the most part. So they're more likely to pick those stuff on their own accord. And most like, like you said, Johnny, she asked tomato. Summer comes through like most nights and says, Daddy, can I have some vegetables for bed? She'll also come through and ask for cereal and sweets. Don't get me wrong. Like she's yeah. far from perfect, but she will eat a lot of like healthful foods. Um, and I just pray that it's going to lead to a good food relationship as she grows older um, by just being that inclusive and getting her to, or encouraging her to have those types of things. So not that we plan to talk about this stuff today, but no. while, you, while you're on the topic relevant you know relevant but you see these is usually not all again against vegans in general but it's usually like the vegans i I don't give my kid milk i don't give my kid i'm like ah just because you think in your small brain that what you do is the best thing ever because they usually are the stupid ones um not you know the tidy vegans who understand there's 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 other forms of uh uh nutrition um structure and they end up going, oh, not giving them milk. And what was the one I've seen well, within the last year? And the kid died because he's malnourished. And I think, well, to me now, you may as well class that as murder, so you should go down for the rest of your life. Cure. Sure. You should go down. Like, I should actually, you probably go, actually, you go to the death penalty because you're so stupid. You killed the kid. So unfortunately, you get to die. Not as good as the last of this podcast, but however, that's my view. <laughs> that's very strong views, Jonathan. Phil <laughs> yeah. is, is looking to you for guidance and to take care of it, and you've fucked it up big time and killed the child. So I, you, you should be killed. I would, uh, I'll tell you what I will say, just slightly off topic, but slightly related. I listened to uh, the recent series Danny Lennon put out on his podcast on sick nutrition around veganism. Um, and I will say it's very, very interesting and thought-provoking. Um, the arguments they make basically for basically the ethics of eating vegan um, and animals being sentient beings, as in having feelings and, and emotions oh. and feeling pain, etc. If it was, if I, if I was, if I was in the Paleolithic era, I think I'd be a vegetarian too. <laughs> or if vegan. You're, if, if you're what? Is it the Paleolithic era? Oh, Paleolithic, like, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, but... Yeah, uh, back then, I thought you'd be... I, well, then again, you wouldn't have a choice, will you, would you? But the thing I is, would live off fruit and seeds and grass. Thing, yeah, <laughs> the thing is for me, like, and this is a shit argument, but, like, people like ourselves that basically have the knowledge, and this is how Danny sets it up, actually, so it's, it's a really interesting thing to, to listen to, I think, but... For people like us and like Danny and the people, the people that I suppose the, the the majority of the audience that listen to his podcast, um, that have the knowledge, the finances, and the wealth to basically be able to set up a perfectly healthful 
vegan diet therefore the ability to stop the the kind of the what you would consider unnecessary suffering for animals um is it unethical and immoral for us to basically not do so that's and he, he did a three-part series exactly on on that theme uh, speaking to different experts and it is really interesting to hear people's arguments about it um it made me feel a bit like dissonance the entire way through because by the end of it i'm like i got no i haven't really got an argument as to why i still eat meat other than laziness yeah. and, and and part enjoyment really because like there is a part of me that obviously enjoys meat um when i have meals that don't have meat in them and this is this may be i don't know conditioning or cultural type stuff or whatever but sometimes i do get like to an end of a vegetarian or a vegan meal and think mm, i do feel a little bit like there's something missing from it but i say that could just be conditioning over time or whatever but other than that it's like it's just laziness because i can't be bothered to manipulate my diet in a way to keep me healthful you know, keep me on track with kind of my, my body composition type goals in terms of build more muscle and that type of stuff. Because obviously it can be done perfectly, adequately with a vegan diet. It just takes a bit more work, as we know. Yeah. Um, so it's just laziness. I could stop the suffering of all of animals. Well, no, I couldn't stop the suffering of animals. Obviously I couldn't. But I could stop my part in it by just not being lazy. But I'm fucking lazy. So. Oh, yeah, and that's shit, much- isn't it? That's a shit argument. Well, uh, yeah, it is, yeah. But, you know, if you do want to... Uh- I build muscle. It is hard at work. You have to really think about it, you know, to get the you know, uh, complete protein sources and put them together, or you know, putting complete sources together to make complete sources. Like, well, mm. and no, yeah. no doubt, getting into it, there's no different, probably, no doubt, in the way that we we ask people to start moving up the ladder in terms of their nutritional knowledge from where people are at now, like general population are at, to start including things like protein in meals and start thinking about how they, they nutritionally make a nutritionally balanced meal. It's just the next step on to then start, you, you'd start to ask people to build in like habits and routines to start, like you say, finding um, protein sources that then match to make an essential, to, to make a um, complete protein source of all the essential amino acids. And how then, and, and I suppose over time it probably become automatic and easy, and, and I'm, the lazy argument then just fucking disappears as well. But, but you put, some, put a nose on the fridge, these are you know, this, this, and this together equals a complete this, this, and this, this, and this, and this, you can go right to that. Yeah. So they do that fifth, you know, have 10 of them, 10 lines on a page, and then you, you go you go to it new all the time. Yeah. But, but so, you, you think it really, if for normal people, who just want to look half tidy naked, right? You're not a professional athlete. Then you know if you miss a few, if you miss a meal a meal a day, right, or a couple of meals a week, where it's not incomplete protein source, how much of a difference across a training lifespan is that going to make to you and your gains? Because eventually you get your plateau, and that's the end of it, isn't it? Yeah, I you think I feel almost none. Everybody wouldn't know. Everybody wouldn't know. If you're, you know, if you're a professional bodybuilder and you're looking for the any point one percent, then Okay, maybe it might be a difference. Maybe you know, becoming first and second because you know at that level it's it's no, it's percentage in it one percent difference or half a percent difference. But it's like because I think a lot of the industry gets focused on everybody wants to be a cover model, everybody wants to be shredded, and they don't. Well, some people think they do, but then they go actually fucking hell, this is a bit rough. I ain't doing this. You know, they, and they accept the level where actually I look good. I like, don't need to be extreme. So it's like, well, I think that's the, 
I think that's what happens generally, isn't it? People think, oh, yeah, but it's pre protein source. Yeah, but how much of a difference is that going to make across 40 years of training? I, I, when you're not genetically gifted anyway. Even the professional athlete argument, I still think, actually, they're still more than capable of being, like, bear in mind that I think genetics, hard work. So match genetics and hard work, and there you've got probably the top 0.5% of the population anyway. I don't. I think not having the optimal diet in terms of complete protein sources and stuff like that for like you say a few meals even a meal a day every day the rest of life i don't think that would make any difference i know the margins are so small at that level of like you know that level of athletes but i still even think then it probably wouldn't really make a difference uh, it'd almost be no- noticeable even with the margins being that small i really that's how that's how little i think that argument holds up if of oh yeah well you know i can't I'm not going to get all the gains that I need being a vegetarian or a vegan or whatever. I literally think it makes almost no difference once you put a bit of effort into it. And I think I think the problem is listen to that podcast. I know again we weren't meant to talk about this either anyway until this episode, but I like talking about it. I I I got to the end of the series of like these three or four episodes, and I thought to myself, I honestly don't know why the fuck I'm not vegan or vegetarian. I don't have an argument for why other than I like it or I just can't ever see myself not being. But that's not that's not really an argument, is it? And I'll be honest, I'll we'll we'll have this conversation now, and I'll, I won't change anything. Like I know that because I my lifestyle is as it is. I I kind of enjoy eating meat, so it kind of leaves me with will I ever change? Unlikely. Despite being yeah. open, despite being open to the idea that I don't really have any rationale not to. Yeah, I, I get your point, but. It is you're open to it and you're open to the idea of I understand why people do it. I probably could do it. It's not gonna affect me negatively. But, you know, my choice is that actually I'll kinda of need to meet. Because yeah. we get we give pushback to to the vegan diets when we, when you get retarded documentaries that just spout absolute shit and actually make people go and push back on something that's that can be of benefit to a lot of the population, but it's it's made out in such it's poorly represented, and it and it makes them look stupid. Well, it, make, um, it, def- but, it definitely makes people hate. Yeah. Makes a lot of people push back against. It's that it's that backfire effect. That's something you always in the internet when you basically tell someone they're wrong and they dig in harder and tell you you're even wronger. <laughs> you're even wronger, boy. Um, that that happens all the time, especially with with kind of dogmatic approaches. Um, not that vegan or vegetarian vegetarianism veganism or vegetarianism is, is a dogmatic approach but obviously it can be seen by a lot of people as one um purely on the way that they defend the the kind of the the way of eating beyond anything like you've just described like the game changes was a prime example of how one guy's own cognitive bias has gone so far beyond fucking scientific but because he's very good in the way that he came across in the way he delivered his own interpretation of studies and outcomes He's fucking believable. Like, people will believe that shit and be like... And obviously, his argument is none of it's around ethics. Like, in terms of all of his scientific and the game changes was all around the fact that the science and the evidence base says eating a vegetarian or vegan diet is healthier and better for performance, which is actually contrary to the actual correct science out there. It doesn't mean it's not possible. Like we've said, there's way more... It's definitely possible in the way that I've just explained. I, I believe that the difference of a vegetarian and vegan athlete, if done with enough effort and consciousness around what they're eating, is 
as good as a meat-eating diet for the most part, I, I, I think. Depends what sport you're in. Obviously, there's a vast void of oh, for sure. yeah. pay, pay in terms of what they do. Then you, a lot of people, like Usain Bolt, has probably got the ability to go, right, this is what I need. I, I'll have a chef to do it for me. So for him, it's no effort to go, right, I want this, you do it. So if, if that's the case, there's no, there's no effort mm-hmm. at all for anyone of that, you know, not anyone that ever, but in the higher paying sports around the world, then, you know I mean, like footballers, isn't it? What, you know, they just employ a private chef who's been in the house 24 7. Right? I want um, this, isn't it? So there's no effort for them whatsoever. So again, I suppose the, the thing of it might be detrimental to an athlete because it's harder to set up is not the case because they'd probably get it done for them. Yeah. The, the, problem, the, the problem with football is in, in having spoken to either people that work in professional football or my kind of links, obviously, with working with the um, well, Norwich City women's professional football team. Um, they're the problem with them is the the mass food produced within club is isn't particularly good, and for a lot of even the professional clubs in the Premier League, they still like the sports nutritionists and stuff still don't oversee a lot of the food that they basically delivered on a bulk basis in things like their canteens and their facilities in clubs, which is fucking ludicrous to think that that still happens nowadays. Are you? Money that flies on football. Yeah, you would think every single meal is micromanaged for every single individual, tailored, bespoke, and you know, like nutritionally spot on. But yeah, that does you, not seem to be the case. Yeah, if you're getting paid three hundred grand a week, and they say to you, "This is what you will be eating every day," you go, "Okay." Well, the older school footballers would nowadays they probably leave the club because that's how footballers are these days. But mm-hmm. that's what it should be. You pay three hundred grand a week. This is what you are eating to get your maximum performance because I know best. Mm-hmm. You do it. That's it. it. Obviously, you can control what they do outside, you know, but when you're in, in the club, but then in the facilities they train in, then you should actually be in control. This it, is what you're eating. This comes down to what, what we said a little while ago around genetics and hard work is like 99.5% of the reason people are pro athletes and the top percent of people you know, like the top couple of percent of ability because they're just genetically built and they will be in that way regardless of, you know, anything else. Purely just from genetics and hard work. The rest of it, in terms of becoming more optimal around nutritional strategies and stuff like that, such a teeny tiny percent, I think, because genetics and and that just... And as long as, as obviously, they're working hard because, like we said, you can outwork genetics. Genetics can also play over outwork. But when you put the two together, generally, they're the people that are the successful athletes and stuff um like Ronaldo you look at him and his document yeah it's just like he's a and the interviews you have of former players of former teammates of his he's, he's an absolute tank training all the time mm-hmm. no drinking well I don't say no drinking but hardly drinking salads meat all quote quote unhealth, uh, healthy healthy foods look junk. look at the uh the, the fitness industries favourite and most prominent documentary of late the game uh, not game Last Dance he said Game Chase again Last Dance you've seen that? yeah really good fucking brilliant I absolutely loved it and especially bearing in mind that that is that exact era between the early to mid 90s was when I first started watching basketball he's a step late um, on a school night 
uh, and watch Channel 4. They used to show um, the games. And because obviously the Bulls were in the playoffs most of the time, that's all I ever watched. And I was a massive, massive Bulls fan. Um, so I was watching all that. I fucking loved watching it back on, on Netflix recently. Just kind of reliving my youth almost. God, it makes me sound fucking old, doesn't it, Johnny? Um, but yeah I love watching it but anyway you look at you look at the likes of MJ on there right he's like every single game right after he finished end up smoking cigars haven't he clearly likes to drink nowadays you can see in his eyes can't you when he's having these the more recent interviews say he likes to drink definitely likes a whiskey (laughs) Um, but you think you look at yourself and you think that's like he he literally is the best basketball player ever to have played ooh that's controversial Um. I think he is anyway. Better than Kobe, better than LeBron, but R.O.P. Kobe. God. Um, but and it's down to literally genetics and hard work. Like probably more hard work with him. Like if you, when you look at his history and and basketball and how he was good, but you know, like he wasn't like a top pick like draft when he came through. And um, you know, take the baseball thing like we. Baseball, I mean, don't worry, it's still impressive to be able to kind of go and, and get even semi-pro in, a, in another sport. But obviously they said he worked hard and did shit to get like great at those sort of things. So that again, just epitomised to me how genetics and hard work just seems to just shine through all the time and you can still smoke cigars and drink and still be the fucking best out there by a long, long way. Oh yeah, and he was at the time a long, long way the best as well, wasn't he? Do you know, do you know I love watching that documentary and how he was like the epitome of the most competitive person you'd ever meet. Like if he wanted to win a fucking game, he'd just get him. It'd make it piss himself off. If he had to just to be pissed off to then be competitive and end up dominating. Like I love the yeah. stories when they show like they'd go away to like Utah, like to the jazz and they'd lose. And then he'd be so pissed off that his team lost that he'd come out next day and score like 50 points on his own just to fucking win because he said, I'm not having this again. Like the, the fact that the, he had the ability to turn it on like that and just win a game on his own, it's just unreal. Absolutely unreal. It's not, that's what it takes. That's what it takes to be at the top, doesn't it? Yeah. An absolute drive to be the best and not lose. And he, he, he probably was an arsehole. However, if you can, you can tolerate down a team and if, you, if he's the best and he, and you win things. Yeah. He, de- he definitely came across as a bit of a bully in a lot of the episodes, don't he? You, know, you watch him in training and he comes across as a bully, but definitely it comes from a place, I think, of just wanting to win and obviously he just wants people to be better and he's like trying to drag them up himself in any way he knows how and by bullying them into being better. But yeah, They're all grown men. They can all fight back if they want to do. They're all getting paid mega money, so just suck it up and you're the best team and that's how it is. Suck yeah. it up. Yeah. Um, that's a fucking great documentary, actually. I might watch it all over again. Yeah, it's good. I liked it. I enjoyed it. Honestly, I could. I reckon I could easily watch that again and still love it just as much the second time around. It's great. Um, wow, that was a tangent, but fun chat. Um, relevant. Were you, relevant, yes. We were going to talk about today just um, stu- not no, not stupid things. Four provoking things heard on the internet this week. Um, we've obviously talked about the veganism part, which I think is very thought provoking. Um, yeah. So. I'd recommend anyone that's interested in kind of just wanting to explore their own head around that type of stuff, go listen to those episodes on Sigma Nutrition recently because they are very interesting. I found myself, uh, actually I had something to add to that, but we went off to onto the uh, tangent of athletes and stuff. But um, one thing I kept finding in my head, so we're going to revisit it now and carry this chat on. Um, one thing I found in my head, I kept wrangling with like, who decides what's ethical? You. That's what I mean though. Is it me? 
like this argument of you know going back to animals are sentient beings and why why should we make them suffer just so we can eat when we don't necessarily need to and mm-hmm. i keep going about all oh, a fucking lion don't give a shit when it's taken down a gazelle in the middle of the mozambique desert or that's, I don't even know that's a place. <laughs> yeah, but then I guess yeah, that. Ar- well, I was just gonna say that argument's kind of taken out when it's necessity, because obviously that they don't they aren't as developed as human humans and don't have other ways of then fulfilling nutritional needs. So I'm like, I think okay, there's going to be, gonna be uh, ethics. I think there's going to be a base level of ethics that the, that everyone needs to agree on. You know what I mean? If you're going to kill a cow, make sure it doesn't suffer when you're doing it. I mean, if it went into a, I don't know, a gas chamber and effectively went to sleep and that was it, you would say, that's ethical. If wherever you cut his legs off and make it suffer and then it dies, then it's like, well, actually, I would say, unless you're a dickhead, you would say, well, that's not ethical. Therefore, then it's up to you when whether you chose to... it, it, so on that on that example, is it ethical to raise a cow to then take it to a gas chamber and, and just because it's, for want of a better word, I don't know if it's appropriate, but humanely killed? Well, yeah, you could question that as well. It's probably not really, is it? Hmm. You wouldn't do it with children, would you? <laughs> well, funny you say that because that's one of the arguments I think that Alex, oh, I forget his surname, but one of the episodes that he, he said about kind of you take you take a lot of the stuff that we do to animals and put it in the concept of a child and you'd never do it. So what's the difference? You'd never take a child to a gas chamber and then kill it and then eat it and say that's okay. No, of course you wouldn't. Never in a million years. So why are animals any different? They, are, they, they have feelings and emotions, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. You, would, you, you wouldn't do it to a dog. I might talk to a dog next door. <laughs> yeah, well you hate that fucking dog. You'd probably do it to something like a dude you hate, but, um, but you wouldn't do it to a dog. So why is it okay to do it to a pig, which is arguably more uh, intelligent than a dog? That is true, yeah. It's, it's such just a, like a thought-provoking concept. When people open their minds up and think about stuff, like I was speaking to Richie about this, Richie Kerwin, a couple of days ago, and um, we both came to the same conclusion. Like it's just, just don't know how to think or feel about after listening to it. It's just like my mind is a bit frazzled around. Oh, I don't know how to think about it. But we both came to the conclusion that, like he said, so I think he says, I'm like, what does your missus think? And I was like, do you mean does my missus think? Like <laughs> she, she, she wouldn't. Like, a lot of people, and like, he obviously, I used her as an example, really, I suppose. But a lot of people would never even think about this, open their mind up to even consider this type of stuff. I know, but I think what was it? I think it was. Oh, what program was it on? Anyway, I can't remember what it was on. Maybe it was Netflix or Discovery, I can't remember. But they've gone on a few uh, a few labs who've taken like um samples of cows and they've designed they've made meat from that. Yeah. And they yeah. think the future could be so you, you get the best of both, you get all the nutrition from yeah, yeah. Meat, like, but you do, don't do, kill any animal. Like actual fake meat rather than fake fake meat. So it's obviously it's it's modif- it's genetically modified or lab created meat, but it is actually from a cow. So it's, it's yeah. a cow that's been created. Yeah, and I know you get the old thing in, oh, you can't eat that, it's bad for you when, you know, there's the, uh, currently there can't be any data on that particular area yet. I mean, there's that part in there. You, yeah. Who knows what, when you do that, what what happens in the body. But I, I wouldn't, I'd probably 
he did. Well, that's the thing is like if they did enough data on it and they said actually you know it's gone through all of the um research and the the regulation regulatory stuff to sign off for food as being safe for consumption would you eat it even though if it tasted looked smelled cooked whatever like a steak but it was just happened to be made in a lab um yeah. and arguably it is a steak because obviously it's been modified and developed or grown or whatever the term would be from an actual animal and not you know not fake meat it's not like made from pea and soya and you know a billion different types of fats which you usually find a lot of these fake meat products um it's actual meat is that does that then make it okay yeah but i think you could could you modify it so that it doesn't it it, uh lasts longer and doesn't go off till you know three it it, it lasts three times as long before cooking it before it goes off Maybe that's and the future. Look at, look at the thing to do with world hunger. Hmm. You'd be just, all right, let's ship this going. Uh, obviously, when they get able to mass produce and stuff, you can ship all over to people around the world. Probably doesn't cost that much in general think, when they start producing it. Go, go, go back to this. Haven't actually, haven't they done this with a chicken nugget? Or I've dreamt, or haven't they dreamt that? Haven't, haven't they made a chicken Japan. nugget out of actual, like, genetically created chicken? Yeah. I think they might have been on that throw, yeah. But then you, you you know what's coming. You you've got the you've got the people who think it's some sort of massive conspiracy and why are they doing this? And you get all these fucking tinfoil hat wearers who come up with some mental theory why mm. <laughs> you shouldn't be doing it or there's someone's making money out of it. Well, clearly they are making money. Obviously they wouldn't do it. But you know, but that would solve everything really. All the nutrition without hurting an animal. I'll be honest. I'd buy it as long as, it, as, long as the, co- the cost was obviously appropriate, and I, I suppose it might be a bit odd to start with. But I think after a while, surely you just get used to it. You know, if you if you went into Morrison's or Tesco's or whatever brand of supermarket you like to shop in, and you just happened to get a, a steak off the shelf, but it was made from it looked exactly the same, same package and everything else, but it just happened to be made in a lab, you probably just get used to it, wouldn't you? I think I would much better be the environment. Generally. Yeah, yeah, I was assuming so. Well, yeah, you yeah, but just be a lot of lot of birds, a uh, lot of birds are one stone, eh? potentially, which would not avoid any of that argument. Uh huh. Uh huh. I mean, just going back to that concept, that's the thing that was, that weirded me out. Is like I start to think and contradict to myself to say like, well, who decides what's ethical? You know, the whole uh, argument about like you wouldn't do it to a kid, you wouldn't do it to a dog or whatever, but you know. You have to do it with an animal, but then I was thinking, well, you know, who does decide what's ethical? Do I decide what's ethical? Like you say, and actually, it's down to me in my own opinion, and no one can tell me I'm wrong. Um, I mean, this Alex guy on Danny's podcast was very much around, you're wrong, you shouldn't be eating animals, or he wasn't in a he wasn't in a very dogmatic approach though. He was seemed very logical and scientific almost in the way he spoke around like once you think about these entire thought processes and arguments there really isn't an argument not to be vegan so therefore you're wrong if you don't however he understood and understands why people aren't as in culturally um you know and and that type of stuff but he said obviously people are just not at that point where he is now where they've gone through all of the different arguments and thought processes around veganism and why you know why eating meat isn't the, the best thing um and got to the point where he's at where there isn't an argument to do it so just people of different journeys. This was a funny concept. Maybe this is what we'll end on before we move on. But he said about comparing this to like racism in the way that racist now, like basically a lot of older generations were racist and 
they were kind of, you look back at them now and they would think, well, that's just what we did at the time. And he said, compare veganism and vegetarianism now to, to how racism was maybe 50 years ago. Obviously, racism still exists. Obviously, look at, you know, we're not going to go into the Black Lives Matter stuff at the moment because wholly inappropriate for two white dudes to sit on a podcast and talk about Black Lives Matter. But um, the way racism existed 50 years ago, um, he said, imagine what that's going to be like in 50 years' time when people look back and talk about veganism, vegetarianism in the same way. Like, you have to speak, yeah. to, you speak to your grandchildren. They say, oh, my God, Daddy. Oh, sorry, your grandchildren. Oh, my God, Granddad. Um, I, whatever made you eat meat? And you have to explain it to your child. Well, that's just what we did back in the day. Like, that's that's a funny thing to think about, to think that might actually be, like, conceptually, what, what actually happens. We might look back in, you know, well, 50 years' time if I'm still alive. I uh, might look back in 50 years' time and just think, well, if I didn't know why I ate meat at the time, but we just did. That's what everyone did. So we just we just ate meat. But now, and it just seems silly. Especially in 50 years' time with the technology, we could just probably mass produce meat in a human lab, like, it's... Like it's nothing, you know what I mean? So, yeah. and it's really But obviously, he he was talking about how embarrassed you people, like a lot of generation, are now to say that they were. I mean, I don't know. If people say I'm openly racist as such, but obviously, I guess you know, even a lot of the racist stuff that people have talked about of late that they're trying to get rid of in our history because obviously it has racist connotations. Um, you have to explain that now as an older person to say, well, it wasn't really racist, just what, what we did at the time kind of thing. And, you know, it's just a fun, interesting concept, I thought. It's a good, interesting way of putting it. Yeah, good way of putting it. Doesn't make you think, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, the idea is obviously he's trying to get you to think, think, don't be that person. You don't want to be that person to have to explain in 30, 40, 50 years' time that why you were a veg- why you were eating meat and you're not a vegetarian or vegan. Because, mm. you know, you'd be thinking about it in that same way as if trying to explain why, why you were once racist. But... Um, what do you think, Johnny, of the idea or concept of, um, how do I put this? Don't change clothes, change what's in them. So as in, if someone is feeling uncomfortable in what they wear, like we all, we've all had clients come to us and say, oh, you know, I, I need some help, I want to lose some weight, or I want to kind of look better in something because I, I tried my pair of jeans and they didn't fit properly. Or, oh, this dress just made me look frumpy or I didn't like it. Or, you know, like the, the, the dude's got the t-shirts that, stuck, hung, that kind of hugged around the waist that made me feel horrible. I want to feel jacked and big. Um, the, what, what do you think the idea of rather than changing your clothes, so therefore finding something you feel more comfortable in, instead change what's in them as aka change your body? Sorry to interrupt this episode, but we just wanted to let you know that we're currently accepting applications to work with any of our coaches to help you lose weight and get shredded or build muscle and get jacked. If you want to know more, just head over to nnncoaching.com forward slash apply. No contract links, just evidence-based coaching to make sure you get the results you've always been after. Here's my thought, right? I just, it just cropped into my mind as you were talking about this. A, f- a woman, right? Let's just say you eat a fairly shitty diet, right? You haven't got, you, you sort of understand what healthy healthy foods are you just you just don't eat that way and let's say it's weight is crept on you just know a size 12 whatever right and I'm, by the way I'm not saying size 12 is big because it's not right I'm just saying you're size 12 you're not comfortable in a size 12 shirt jumper whatever dress right why, why don't before you go on why don't we keep it to us two fucking 
middle-aged like, no, we're not middle-aged two, two dudes that obviously want to get jacked yeah if I eight and a whole weight around my hips and my lower back so when you have a t-shirt right which is a certain size large whatever right um, <clears throat> I think oh this is not uh, this is not great I can feel this tight around the hips and stuff and then you go the case of oh, don't change your body change what was it, what was it? No, don't, don't, change. don't change your clothes change what's in them so basically don't change your clothes to make you feel better change your change yourself your you know your body composition or your habits you know yeah. I think you know, just basically work on you rather than work on ch- changing your clothes yeah I, I, w- I would agree because the other way you go right let's buy an XL shirt right for example and you don't get that feeling or, or you see it, it might still feel good up top say right but it's still and you don't feel it in the hips anymore. So you walk around, oh, this feels all right. So then you think, oh, I feel I feel a bit better. So then you don't change your diet. You keep doing what you're doing, and then your XL shirt becomes the same. And then you're going to go, where are you going now? You're going to go XXL, oh, I feel good now. Then you go, actually, Jesus Christ, I'm three stone heavier. I'm twice as fat as I was, and I feel terrible still. So I would agree with change what's in the clothes rather than changing the clothes because – long term it's better for you and it's better for your mentality because everybody wants to look good naked even even maybe that's not the primary goal but if someone says oh look you look you're 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 really good nick people are happy nobody goes don't tell me that everybody's happy with, with the compliment isn't they? I'm, so, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna play devil's advocate and say like everyone wants to look good naked which is arguably true but who defines on. what look, is looking good that's the thing. Like, basically, put it this way: if I'm the anti-diet crew, the anti-diet culture crew, I'd say, well, actually, you shouldn't have to change clothes because actually, you should feel good and confident about however you look. Yeah, but that doesn't work, does it? It doesn't happen. It doesn't matter what you tell people. It doesn't happen. You tell you tell a, a, a bloke like me, oh yeah, you look fine as you are. You just you don't need to just change to be more confident. Well, I can't because that irritates me. So I'm not going to feel confident until I sort that out. So stop talking shite. That's what I'd be saying. What What if I tell you the it's the culture you're brought up with and the environment and the narrative you've been fed your entire life that makes you feel that way? No, I wouldn't agree. I'm I, I'm fairly fairly intelligent, so I I I used to want to look like a bodybuilder, but I think no, I, I don't want to look like that. So obviously, my my thought process changes who I was brought up with. I wasn't brought up with. I was interested in Bollywood as a youngish youngster, teenager. But now, to me, even though I think it looks good, that's not my aim. Mm-hmm. So it's not, I don't think I've been socially conditioned to think how I feel, you know what I mean? Yeah, I think it's, def- it's yeah. definitely harder for us as blokes because I think diet culture is something that is probably predominantly suffered through by women more than men. It doesn't yeah. mean men don't suffer from similar things in terms of kind of the aspects of, of diet culture, but the negative aspects of diet culture. Um, but I think predominantly it's women's so it's probably harder for us to put ourselves into that context and into those shoes and be like, Oh yeah, I, I understand that. Cause you know, it's, we, we arguably haven't necessarily been through it. Albeit I would say, I've definitely felt the pressures as as a youngster look in certain ways compared to like, like basically I, I was 
not not always like the leanest or best at sports at school. I was good at football, but I wasn't the most athletic. I was basically more, I was kind of more skillful than anything. I guess like at school, like there was definitely moments where I would look at other like kids going through puberty, say, so kind of like the early, early teens, kind of 13, 14, 15, and think to myself like, oh, I was kind of a bit more holding on to a bit of baby fat, say. And like even, I remember back then even thinking about kind of feeling like I had to look a certain way or if I didn't, you'd kind of get the fun, you know, get people poke fun at you and stuff like that. So I don't think it's solely women, but, but yeah, anyway, digress a little bit. I do think, I agree, I, I agree the idea of like, obviously, like kind of this idea of changing, don't change your clothes, change obviously what's in them. Because obviously I think changing your clothes, you're almost masking or putting a plaster over what is obviously a fundamental issue. Regardless of whether you think fucking diet culture is the reason that people feel that way or not. Um, or that, that concept of diet culture is the reason why people uh, you know, want to look a certain way or we're all driven that we should all look a certain way. But I think if you if you kind of just, you know, your example, just stuck a triple XL t-shirt or double XL t-shirt over it because you love handles, then don't kind of make you feel uncomfortable being a bit tight around that mid midriff. Um, you're not changing any of your habits, like you say, to then combat why you feel a certain way. Yeah. So I suppose um, that, oh, sorry, no, just, sorry to jump over there. I was yeah. gonna, just suddenly something popped up in my head thinking, actually, it kind of feels like maybe there are, a, like either solution is actually fine in that if you work on your body image or your body confidence, you work on your like relationships or that type of stuff. And then you feel all right, brilliant. As long as you're healthy in terms of, you know, you're not at higher risk of diseases and obviously illnesses, then great. Then actually that's a solution, right? Yeah. But another solution is work fucking hard, obviously get the physique you actually want and feel comfortable about yourself that way. And then you don't have to change your clothes. You feel confident what you're wearing. Yeah. And actually yeah. maybe that's maybe that's where I'm getting to in my head where I'm thinking actually there's perfectly fine a viable solution. You look at right if you've got kids and they look at you and they're thinking, This my my mate, they probably know kids don't really think like this today, but well, some do. But you look in, in the school, you, you walk around there and I've gone, you know, gone from a large to an XL, the triple XL. I know you're very fat, but how often do big kids go, Look at that man, he's really fat? And then that also has an impact on my kid going, Oh, that that person they just call my daddy fat or whatever, or my mammy fat. They don't like it, it makes them feel worse because you were. Probably manipulated by the the anti diet culture. No, don't change what's in the you know, don't change what's in the clothes. Change the mind, whatever it is. Well, actually, no. It's not somebody who have kids. It's about you, but it's about them and looking after them and giving them the best environment to thrive. And if someone's calling their daddy fat, then some kids don't like that and it makes them go, "Oh, oh my daddy's fat now." Or don't take it off on a beach, daddy, because it happens. And I'm not saying it happens all the time, but it happens. I think this anti diet don't think about things like that. They just think about this. It's a bit snowflakey for my eyes because I'm not a very snowflakey individual. Uh, just there's too much bullshit around the world nowadays. Which which bit's a bit snowflakey? The anti the anti diet thing as a whole. Yeah. Like, as a whole, it's a lot of fucking bullshit. That's just my opinion. I I don't agree that's bullshit as such, but I do. As in, I think there's an element. I was, I was portrayed then. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I I think there's an element of obviously this idea that we all have to look a certain way. Like I sometimes think to myself, what is in us to make us think like, a, I don't know, take your men's self cover model as a dude. 
what like and I I, brought, I grew up looking at this. I used to think that a, I, a perfect physique would be some like a men's health cover model, like not massive, but obviously looked jacked, but not like fucking Mister Olympia fucking freak massive, lean abs, nice shaped chest, big arms, that type of thing, right? But what there's there's nothing genetically in me, surely that that is like I mean unless there is I don't know, but there's nothing genetically in me to think that's what we all go after. That's what we all aim to look like because it's it's inbuilt in our genetics. Like, um, is it or is it just the fact that we see that shit on TV all the time or we see that on films or movie stars and that type of stuff? So I don't I don't think it's bullshit. I think my biggest problem, and we've had this conversation before, my biggest problem is that the people that then go so anti diet take it to so extreme like they basically look down on anyone that has any type of fucking physique goal like if you've got a goal to change your physique it's like no you shouldn't be doing that you shouldn't change your physique you should change your mind you should be you know you don't have to look a certain way don't let society tell you how you should look it's like actually i like that how society look that's what i want to fucking look like so let me yeah because i feel more confident like that i get more confident that way i get i feel better with myself in general i perform better in the day and my job because i feel better with myself I think that's where I. That's why I think both of those are perfectly acceptable solutions to the problem of not having confidence in what you wear. Like one is just accept and be more confident about what what you're wearing and how your current body conditioning, and then learn to love yourself and have that body confidence no matter how you look. If you achieve that, fucking brilliant. That is a perfectly great solution. But if your solution isn't to change, uh. Yeah, I'm trying to think of another way around. I need to change your clothes, but I guess the body composition doesn't mean change your clothes, it's more change your mindset. So if the solution isn't change your mindset and the solution is actually change your body because you want to look a certain way, I think that's also fucking cool as well. And I think that's that's probably where it comes down to why if we're gonna talk about, you know, the snowflake mentality um and why what you've just said, like anti diet is bullshit. It's because they're judgmental on that. They're judging people about wanting to look a certain way when actually, you know, if they want to look a certain way, let them. It's perfectly fine to do so. Yeah, of course it is. And because if... put it this way, right? The the health argument, like if people say, well, like as long as you're healthy, it shouldn't matter. Well, yeah, that's fine. But then there's obviously if someone if put it this way, if we were coaching people and we thought that some of their behaviors, which I I've, I've done with clients, absolutely. Like I think some of their healthy behaviors have become unhealthy because of an either obsessive nature or they've kind of just taken things too far. That's also unhealthy, and we would take that back. So we wouldn't want someone to look a certain way and be unhealthy and say that's okay because actually it's not. Like health probably becomes priority over anything, regardless of how they look like. So it's not like we're certainly promoting like this type of stuff. But anyway, anyway, and you got anything to add on that? Have I rambled enough for? I think that's uh, I think it's, it's I, covered off. I, I feel like I, w- I need to quantify a little bit where it came from, just in case. Um, basically, a good friend of ours put out some uh, some content that was on that sort of lines. Um, and obviously they're a fantastic coach. I say good friend, fucking great results and f- fabulous feedback from their clients. So I'm certainly like the idea of like changing yourself and not your clothes is certainly not something that we, I mean, we're actually agreeing with it, I suppose for the most part, aren't we? We're not even saying that we disagree with it. So certainly I don't think if, if yeah, this, uh, this kind of episode ever got back to them, not that they probably listened, but if it got back to them, they were, um, I think oh we're talking about kind of their content but I just sparked an idea I just thought it was useful like thought again about kind of this idea of around whether we should be promoting people want to change their body composition too much because this whole anti-diet culture type of argument or whether we should be thinking actually 
we shouldn't be promoting that type of stuff because of the anti-diet culture type movement. So, well, it's, uh, uh, is, it a, is it a third of the UK are obese? Mm. There needs to be a diet culture, doesn't it? Just not the slimming world. Fuck yourself up, become bulimic. Yeah. Di- well, the, pro- the problem is we don't want to create a dichotomy in that. Like you have to diet to be healthy because actually, like if you the health at every size type of movement and stuff, obviously is promoting health and weight loss might be a part of that health. It's just not what they predominantly look for in terms of their outcomes. Like weight loss isn't their outcome. Health is their outcome. And weight loss often comes along those sort of lines. So the behaviors they might teach in terms of, um, you know, good nutrition and exercise, that might result in weight loss for most, if not all people anyway, but it's just not obviously the fundamental objective that they're trying to achieve. Their actual objective is health. So that obviously argument's a difficult one. I mean, the whole the whole principle about all this is fucking hard. And the problem with us is like, we're... We we we're not in any camps, are we? Which is why we have these like back and forth debates about shit because we are not a no. We're a physique based company, and we're therefore we only give a shit about people that want to lose weight, have transformation transformations, and that type of stuff. We're not that. We we are, and we're not anti diet. We're not like no. I don't think anyone should be dieting. I don't. I think people should be focused on health only. Blah blah blah. So we're probably like spread around all different well certainly me like my mindset is very much spread around loads of different ways and trying to take the best out of different types of approaches for different things so it does make this like it makes it hard for anyone listening probably think these fuckers ain't even got a stance they don't know what they're saying well no because you could you could apply a stance to a different person different stance to pursue different people do yeah it's like a different it's like a different method of dieting They, they all work in some capacity just some will fit a certain demographic better than others. It's like if if you are the keto guy, you will have massive failure with most people because oh, well, you only need twenty transformations to look good, and you really, but you know that that keto might not work for ninety five percent of the population. As in, not that it won't work because you generally it's easy to create a calorie deficit and be able to just give it the carbs because that's all you need to do. Um, but people, most people will not stick to that. It's like, you know, you know the things from back in the day, car backloading, right? That will work for someone who maybe fasts in a day, hasn't got time to eat, as their last meal in the evening. If you say that someone who likes to have breakfast, dinner, and three meals before the last meal, maybe it doesn't work so much for them. So every method has its positives for different Populations. Mm. This is what we kind of forget when they go, oh, intermittent fasting is the best. Yeah, for who? For you? Maybe. For somebody else? No. So when someone says this is the best way to diet, doesn't uh, it's not doesn't work that way. No. What? Obviously, we've all got to conform to a calorie deficit, of course. No, it's the only principle of weight loss. Um, what I was gonna just move on to is another another thing that this did annoy me a bit that I saw on the internet this week. Um, was um, someone someone talking about breakfast and basically they said I get up at 5am most days and there are some days where I just don't fancy eggs so I make myself a super quick smoothie um, innocent enough post or content I guess what I didn't I kind of it triggered me a little bit because I kind of thought oh, this reminds you of the types of stuff that you often see around this idea of like moral superiority of food um, which I don't even know if they, this was their intention at all, but it's kind of like aligning with this clean eating type of of 
dogmatic approach that a lot of people have or, or certainly have, have experienced or, or done. Like we've, we've done it. You know, I've gone through periods of where I thought that eating clean was the only way to be healthy and AKA healthy means lose weight, which we know obviously isn't actually the case um, or isn't necessarily the case. What do you think about that? This idea that, um, you know, oh, like eggs are obviously a superfood and eggs are great and everyone should eat eggs for breakfast. But, oh, do you know what? I some, I get up at 5 a.m. and, you know, it's early and some days I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to cook eggs. So here's a fantastic fucking moral smoothie, you know, some, some really good, clean, healthy living smoothie. Why the fuck can't you have a protein bar is basically my, my kind of immediate reaction to that. Or why can't you have something that isn't considered like morally superior? You, you can have what you want, really. You can do as long as your diet is set up to your um, goals and it's not just for a shit all day. Then I'll be one for breakfast. You know, big, you know, people think of cooked breakfast as unhealthy, for, you know, because generally they're massive and they're from cafes and you do it after you steam in the night before. But you know, have a cooked breakfast. It doesn't mean it's unhealthy. Yeah, I did have certain people that. To, put food to the pedestal and they oh yeah if I have my fucking avocado and toast in the morning like oh yeah well done I think again it's just like I want to emphasise that word of moral superiority it just irked me just basically it triggered me a little bit think oh like oh fucking look at you your smoothie like <laughs> I, I like a smoothie don't get me wrong and yeah they're a great way to get in some nutrition and like maybe he's inconvenient and maybe I'm being a bit of a bastard even bringing it up because maybe they didn't they weren't even thinking it was morally superior and maybe they were just thinking here you go it's just a quick, easy way of getting some a nice bit of nutrition in before you train at six a.m. <laughs> and I'm being an asshole, but I like regardless of their content and them specifically. Obviously, people do do it. Like you know, the amount of fucking Instagram coaches out there that are putting pictures of all these fantastic superfoods that they're all eating because they're all so perfect. It's like, mm, hang on a minute. Some of us don't want that. Some of us want a bacon sandwich. Yeah, and just just have up, and that comes down to, to health in terms of mental health. You know, you you don't need have that perfect diet to get the results you want because some people just naturally gravitate towards that food because they like it some people actually like eating salad and fruit and veg all the time they... I, I do just not all the time yeah and if they are that sort of person then you know do we want but don't think that because someone decides of a bacon sandwich for breakfast that they are inferior uh, inferior to you because you've had a fucking avocado and blueberries spinach smoothie or whatever With because side, you know, a side of kale and some yeah because some you've some got no pro- you've got no protein in our meal so depending what your if your body composition orientated then you would think that you need some sort of protein per meal no 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 doubt that smoothie had some whey in it or something mate yeah i didn't look at the recipe so i don't i don't know but you, you, you think know. so because you know what's so fucking bad about the bacon? You've cut a bit of fat off, and uh, it's a bit of proteins, a bit of butter, and some carbohydrates. You know, really, is there much bad about that? You know, if you yeah. have like eight slices of bacon, you know, ten bread, then okay, it's probably too much for you. But it's not, it's not any worse than fucking smoothie, is it? It it, it kind of links in with a couple of things that I said in last week's episode around um, kind of health and that. Health is a cumulative effect of your actions over a long period of time. It's not a one thing. So like eating your fucking morally superior smoothie in the morning, it doesn't make you healthy. Um, In the same way as eating a bacon roll or a bacon sandwich or whatever in the morning doesn't. That'll make you unhealthy. Um, But but also it kind of uh, comes into that idea of... um, 
Oh, I just had a brain fart. I'm trying to think what I was about to say. There's a second point. Doesn't matter. Basically, the, the the main point there is really like you, your health is determined by your cumulative actions, isn't determined by one thing you eat. Oh, no. the other, oh, actually, I got it. The other point I was going to make is nutritional adequacy is fucking easy, like relatively easy anyway to achieve, like adequacy, as in get enough vitamins, minerals, protein, fiber. You don't have to have the most superiorly perfect diet to to basically achieve nutritional adequacy. You just don't. Like every every meal doesn't have to contain sixteen vegetables, nope. like lean meat, uh, a perfect uh, fatty acid profile. It just doesn't. That, that that like you can easily fit in bacon rolls, bowls of cereal, chocolate bars, whatever within other healthful meals and achieve nutritional adequacy. So therefore, why does someone think that I have to have superiorly uh, morally superior meals like all the time? Like why do people look down on people by saying, "No, actually, do you know what? I'm pretty normal, and I just fancy a bacon roll this morning." Yeah. But those people who think they're morally superior can't go to a wedding, can't go to birthday, and they can't eat. because well, they, Yeah, they can go. They can't eat. They sit there going, oh, I'm not touching that. So unless, you know, even if they're a competitive athlete, you know, a bodybuilder, you can still include those things, but they're not that level, and they still worry so much about what they're eating, they don't do anything. So therefore, their mental health suffers because they can't truly enjoy themselves because they know they probably won't care because they just don't want to be perceived that they do eat that sort of stuff so they are, they are overall unhealthier for their thought process of these superior foods well what they think is superior I'll tell you what's superior mate what the new Ben and Jerry's Mufuria 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 flavours are pretty good I tried this week um what was it called? A car- uh, some sort of popcorn flavor. It was like buttery. It was brown, buttery brown sugar ice cream with, I think, salted caramel sauce through it and chunks of chocolate covered popcorn. Only criticism was the popcorn's a bit soft in it. Yeah, it does sound very, very nice. It, it was really nice. Um, however, the other flavor is like nostalgic for me almost. Like I used to love Cherry Garcia. Like the basically like soft sour cherry bits in it, dark chocolate in um I can't remember what ice cream it is. It's pink, but I don't know what flavour it is, I can't remember. Um I wanna say strawberry. Maybe cherry. Probably makes sense it's cherry. It's called Jerry Cherry Garcia for fuck's sake. <laughs> this one, however, the new before is is chocolate cherry, so it's chocolate ice cream. So it's the same. Sour cherries, dark chocolate chunks, and chocolate ice cream. And it's fucking no great. I've tried a few Ben and Jerry's over the years. Not that I'm a, a connoisseur, but I never went anything else. But I have never tasted a bad flavour. No, well, the, the, bear in mind the Mufuria ones are their low calorie versions compared to their standard. So, like a tub is, I want to say, six hundred calories or something for a whole tub. Whereas, oh. obviously, the other ones are like twelve, thirteen, fifteen hundred or whatever. Um, nice. But these, these are these. Are, yeah, they are fucking great and i have been known to nail a pint or two in my time i'll tell you sam uh, but yeah these are these are good these are very good thank you i'll try and if they did a bit lower calorie yeah they are francesca's a minute as well i think two pound fifty which is why i bought them that's not bad because obviously the halo tops are like a five and next thing i'm paying a five off a I, I never buy any of those fucking things full price never ever 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 um but often You'll get obviously discounts on some of them. Like one of the one of the low cal- low calorie high protein brands, whether it be a Breyers, a Halo Top, a Oppo, or the Ben and Jerry's Muforia ones, um, they're usually something on offer that you can buy if you really want ice cream. So 
Yeah, they do look decent one as well, mind. They do a. They do. Graham's. I think they call that, yeah. They're decent, so. Yeah, there's um, yeah, there's a. Well, Graham's Dairy, do at least they do a little. And I think, what's the other? They've got their own own branded ones, which, to be honest, I wouldn't be surprised if they're made in the same factory as Graham's and they've just changed the labelling because they're almost identical. That's what they always do with these big, uh, firms. They go to one company, they'll make it all, and they just brand it up. Mate, there's so many good ice cream, local ice cream brands. I say good, as in, like, relatively good. Anyway, a lot of them are good, but there's there's plenty of other ones. Shut up, Siri. Um, yeah, even Asda and Aldi obviously do their own brands, which are apparently oh some of them are a bit boring. I've tried, but um, apparently, uh, shout out to Sean O'Reilly. He told me that the popcorn Asda one is fucking really good as well. There's like some sort of low calorie popcorn flavor one in Asda. Do love a do love a good bit of ice cream. Two, I've been having a lot of late, and then we'll maybe end this podcast here. Neapolitan. Summer's been having like Neapolitan soft serve in between like wafer bits as um as her dessert sometimes and I've been sneaking the odd spoonful of that and thought, do you know what? Simple but effective. Simple but tasty, that's all you need. It's quite light as well, because because it's soft serve, I think it's either whipped or it's quite obviously it's reasonably low in calories for compared certainly compared to your Ben and Jerry's, but because um, it's it's quite a light and you know, fluffy ice cream. I've had they're not actually with a lollipop, like a melon lollipop. Watermelon, round trees. Yeah. I got them in the fucking freezer, Sam. They're nice, yeah. Yeah, I bought them for summer. Bought them this week, actually. She likes them. Um, I got fed up. We went We went to Great Yarmouth. Um, for anyone local that understands the... Uh, I was going to say North Norfolk. It's not North Norfolk. It's kind of East Norfolk. East Norfolk coastline. Um, we went there at the weekend, and I paid something like £2.50 for a single watermelon ice lolly from one of the stands. And um, for like four in littles. Yeah, exactly. I was like, oh, this fucking pains me to buy this right now. When knowing I can get at a supermarket for like effectively an eighth of the price or something. It's a news, isn't it? Yeah. I did we did have a fantastic cone though. Me and Jenna shared a waffle cone dipped in chocolate with lotus biscuit scoop and uh like gelato and a um Snickers. Fantastic, really good, like properly fit, like yeah. caramel and bits of nuts in. The lotus biscuits had like lotus spread and bits of biscuits in and everything. I was like, wow, this is good. That sounds epic. Yeah. Do you know the difference between gelato and ice cream? No. Um, had this uh, conversation with uh, a friend of mine on Instagram. I think his name's Alessandro. Um, he is Italian. Um, he wanted to explain why we use the word gelato in England when it's an Italian word. I was like, well, this is actually gelato. Said, is it an ice cream? I said, no, there's a difference. And I googled it, and it's apparently um, gelato. Generally, I'm gonna get this wrong now. I think ice cream either does or what basically one of them does or doesn't usually contain egg yolks. Okay, I don't know which way around it is, but obviously, like milk, cream, sugar, and stuff. But one of them has egg yolks, one usually doesn't. Bit of fun fact for you. Tell what I did have in uh, we went to Prague was I can't, it's an ice cream, right? Quite a big one. Um, like swirly ice cream. I bet you had quite a few big ones in Prague. <laughs> but the, the cone was like like a cinnamon, like breaded cinnamon thing, like that twirl around. It just like like um like a Constantine. Now you push it down, and the ice cream sits on top of it. Was it, oh, was it like one of those chimney cakes? Uh, I, I'll try it. Let's see if I can find it. What it's um, called? Don't, I think they Romanian or something like that. But if if it yeah. is this, it sounds a bit like it. Um, well, no, you're from Prague. It's probably just something they just put in for the tourists, probably. But 
it's not it, it's not one of it, these things is it let me just obviously the people listening here are thinking oh i can't see what I, they're doing this makes terrible fucking podcast material but yeah exactly that look yeah, those things yeah, they yeah really like. they're romanian but i think obviously they're probably popular across a lot of uh eastern europe yeah, they were Nutella on. It was uh, fair play. It was yeah. very, very nice. Yeah, yeah. We've got um, so they, they are like, it's a traditional wedding pastry made in Transylvania. Um, we've got a, a stall on our basically. We've got a Nor- Norwich market here in in Norwich. Obviously, I don't live in Norwich, but in Norwich, closest uh, big city. Um, there's a there's a market with loads of really good food uh, vendors on there, like really like top class food vendors, which you wouldn't expect on a market, but it's really good. Um, and what there's a Romanian place on there, which basically specialise in those chimney cakes. In fact, it might even be called chimneys or something like that. So, which I've yet to try, and they do they do it with ice cream and stuff in it. Yeah, nice. If, if it's cinnamon, you'd be so if you like cinnamon, you like it. I fucking love cinnamon, mate, more than anything. More than anything. I think we have two in there over there. Right, Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. Um, when my diet eventually ends, if ever, um, I will uh, I will go to chimneys and I will sample their chimney cake with ice cream and I will send you a picture of it. Do it. I will. I want, I want it done. Um, on that note, good chat. Um, and I have nothing else to add. Uh, no, I really. Okay. Well, I hope everyone listening enjoyed it. Um, please do us the honour of uh, liking, subscribing, rating, sharing with friends, all that sort of stuff, because that is the only way this podcast grows. Um, just allow us to get out to more people and give a mild bit of entertainment slash a mild bit of um, value to help people with their uh, with their health and getting jacked goals. We all, we all want to get jacked. We do, yeah. I, I, I need to get jacked. We do. More test, mate. More test. More test. Always more test. That's the answer to everything. Yeah. Just stuff. Yes. On that note, let's say bye. Bye. Ciao. Thanks for listening to the No Nonsense Nutrition Podcast. We'll speak to you all next week.